0: These sheets that you have received is to give an outline, brief outline of one, the whole of the book of Revelation and two, the book of Daniel, the visions of the book of Daniel. I will teach without using these sheets. These sheets are there so that you can have memory and summarize yourself. One of them is to deal with the intensity of God's action during the book of Revelation. You cannot step into the book of Revelation except you will see the intensity of action from the throne. They go like this. The first one is in Revelation 4 and all that comes from the throne is lightnings, voices and thunder. You'll come to the end of the seven seals being broken and you get an intensity of action increasing. It's lightning, voices, thunder and an earthquake or hailstones, I'm not sure which. But you pass to the next one and the next one has, that's after the um, trumpets, you have lightning, voices, thunder, hailstones and an earthquake. You pass to the last one and in Isaiah it says God is going to shake terribly the earth. And in this earthquake, all the cities of the world fell. So the whole earth is shaken in the hand of God. The hail weighs 100 pounds. That's about 50 kilos. Now we've had some big hail of late, about the size of a rock melon. But this is like this coming down. And they curse the God of heaven Because of the hail. Before this in your Bible, they blame the two witnesses for what is happening on the earth. But they've killed the two witnesses. They can no longer blame the two witnesses for what is happening. They can only blame God. And you are approaching at that point the end. And you have this intensity of expression from the throne. You see, we don't control the lightning, do we? We just had a violent storm and we only had one flash of lightning over our place. The whole place shook and we had two Israelis there and they thought war had broken out because of the explosion, the power of the thunder and the whole place is shaking as the whole place is lit up with the lightning. The storm just came; that one one flash must have been somewhere near our place and that was it. We don't do that. We can't do that. We can't produce the sound where everything shakes. All around, everything shakes. We can't do it. Hail, we try to stop it hailing. We try to so do things. We used to fire rockets to try and stop the hailstorm coming when we saw green in the, green in the, in the rain that's coming. So it hails on the way and they used to try and fire rockets in to try and break it up, not to get hail. This is fruit growers, all right? Up in Stanthorpe and that. So you come to this, we don't control these, they're out of our control. And earthquakes, they're still trying to work out what really causes an earthquake. Well, God does. God shakes the earth, but one day he's going to shake it terribly and it says there was never an earthquake like it on the earth. This is God's final expression. Notice every time when you read your Bible, it comes from the throne because this world has rejected him and is worshipping Mother Nature. And you will note as you go through, God uses their worship, the things they worship, to bring on them the understanding these are idolatrous things you're worshipping, I am in control. So we're we're stepping into vast pictures or, or scenes which to me are very real, sometimes there is like used, meaning it's not the thing, it's like it. Sometimes you will have to spiritualise what you see, but in many, many instances you are dealing with literal happenings on the earth. So we are stepping into amazing times ahead. Was it not that we have a promise He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare the place, I will come again. So he's coming. I will receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. This is called the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour. It fills the New Testament messages by Paul to the churches. You'll find it in John. Behold, now we the sons of God. Does not yet appear what we're going to be like. We know when he appears, we'll be like him. We'll see him as he is. Peter speaks of it. James speaks of it. Judges at the door. They had this expectancy that Jesus is coming. The church is going to meet him and we'll be forever with him. That's what they look forward to. You will not find much mention at all in the epistles except in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You'll find it in 1 John chapter 2 and 1 John chapter 4 and again in 2 John about the Antichrist. But the major message of the whole of the letters of your New Testament is preparing a people for his coming. We're going to meet him. And we're going to be changed to be like him. Every man that has this hope in him purifies himself. We're going to meet him and we're going to be accountable to him. So it's not just an idol happening and we're going. We are going to meet the one who died for us and we're going to meet him with all those. And we're going to give an account for the works we have done as believers. So it is a tremendous hope that lies ahead for the church. But the facts of this one time seven years is still unfulfilled prophecy will one day become history. As much as prophecy has been fulfilled and is now history, which is much of the book of Daniel, there is unfulfilled prophecy still and one day it's going to become history in our world. All right? That's it. Let's bow in prayer because we are going to come to the Word of God and look at where we can of the Scriptures. Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege we have of coming to the book of truth. We thank you, Lord, this has been inspired by your Holy Spirit. You have moved upon holy men of God. We have a reliable testimony from you. Teach us to treasure these truths. For, Lord, you've not left us in darkness. There is darkness coming upon the earth, gross darkness on the people. But, Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and it is the light of our path. We thank you. It points to the Lord Jesus. Our trust is to be in him. Our faith is to be wholly rested on him as our salvation. We pray as we come to the word. The Holy Spirit will illuminate our hearts with your truth will give us understanding of the things of God, of what you're really like and how much you have loved us and how much you desire to save us. We commit our time to you now as we approach this short time together over this weekend and we ask, Lord, that your word will minister into each of our lives and you will transform us into those creatures of light that you want us to be, coming out of the darkness into your marvellous light to show forth your praises. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, I'm going to use PowerPoint. I am not comfortable with PowerPoint. I just like to pick up the Bible and go, all right? But as far as possible, I'll fit in with PowerPoint and we will go step by step through what appears on the screen. So we'll go through one by one. So this is Camp 2017. That's how I had it. So it's Revelation and Daniel. Things to come. Now, when you come to words like this, things to come, it means you're standing here and there are things ahead. They're still to come. Now, the first time we really see this come powerfully across is in the book of Daniel. Take your Bible, turn to Daniel 2. I think you can... uh, Go down. I think I put that. No, I, I'll put the. No, I'll i go. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how that. Just go down that one and go on to the next one. I may have covered in the next one. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Next one. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. Go back to the first one. Just leave the full screen there. What we've got here is a divi- divided up Revelation and Daniel they touch both things to come. There's an overview of the whole of scripture that is from Genesis to Revelation. What I have found profitable, and I trust you find it so too. We often come to the Bible and we take a text out, sometimes just a few verses. Sometimes we come to a chapter. Rarely do we take in a book. Now, if you get a letter written to you Anyone. What do you do? Who sent it? There's greetings. But you read the whole letter, you don't pull out a little bit. You want to know what they are go what they're saying to you. We don't pick up Paul's letters like that. We pull bits out. But the letters were written as whole letters. This book is written as a whole book. Now it's got many authors, but same Holy Spirit is the is the real author of the whole book. We have no problem comparing Scripture with Scripture from one book to another book because the whole is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. The promise of the Holy Spirit is He will lead you into all truth. He will not speak of Himself. Jesus said, He'll take the things of mine and He'll show them to you. Do you believe it? If you are seeking and wanting understanding, you must seek God because God gives understanding. He is the source of truth. He is the source of understanding. He can illuminate your mind and you begin to see things from the Bible you have never seen before and once that happens, you will never forget what you've seen. It may happen, say, when someone is preaching or teaching, you say, I never saw that. But then you'll go and dig deeper and it will come part of you and you will never lose that. So when we come to the scriptures, an overview is excellent from Genesis to Revelation. This whole book is history. Real history, I mean. Today, you have what is called revisionist history. Meaning, the Holocaust didn't happen. You get me? That's revisionist history. You have replacement theology. That is, the church has replaced Israel. Jews can be saved by the gospel, but there's no future for the nation. And yet before our very eyes, we are watching miracles take place in that land. So when we come to this area, the Bible is real history from beginning to end. And Revelation is history. All right? Am I clear? Because I had to wrestle through Genesis, having done university and evolution and everything, and I found out that Genesis was real history. (laughs) It was real. That's what happened. Exactly as it's described, it happened that way. And then I began to find out, all through the Old Testament, God told Israel their history before it happened. Everywhere. All the prophets spoke. Moses spoke. He told, when you go into land, this is what you'll do because he spoke God's word. When you come to the church, the church has its history given in seven letters. I thought if you're consistent God with Israel, you'll be consistent with the church, and he has been. And when you come to the end times, we call them, from the book of Daniel, the appointed time at the end, revelation is the revealing of the future. What is to come? Then you have the message of the scriptures. What is the message of the scriptures? Now take your Bible, turn to John chapter 5. Because we have this book, what are we looking for when we come to the book? What are we meant to see? Revelation, uh, sorry, John 5, and we're in verse... um, Verse 39. John 5:39. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. All right? Is that a right statement? Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to the crowd around him particularly the Pharisees, you search the Scriptures and in them you think you possess eternal life. If I search the Scriptures and I know the Scriptures, does that mean I have eternal life? No, there's a purpose in the Scriptures and if that's missed, I haven't got eternal life because Jesus said these words, These are the scriptures that testify about me. So what is the message of scripture? Christ. Jesus Christ is the message of scripture. The whole message of scripture is focused on one person, Jesus Christ. He said, you search them. They testify about me. Why would God give the testimony of Jesus from the scriptures. So when you read, you see him. And when you see him, the call is, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He said, you refuse to come. So he says, the scripture's testimony is Jesus Christ. Jesus himself is speaking. When you come to the book, I move mean, we'll go to one other on that, turn to Revelation chapter 22. I'm down in verse... Uh, Oh, yeah, sorry, 1910. (laughs) I thought, that's not 12 and 22. 1910, thanks, Margaret. (laughs) John is responding to the angel who has shown him what he has seen through this book of Revelation. Verse 10, At this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you, And with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus, worship God. Notice the last part. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The word spirit here is breath, the life. The life of prophecy is Jesus Christ. If you come to prophecy and all you see is 666, Man of sin, the Antichrist, all these kind of things happening, and you fail to see Christ, we've missed the message. The Bible tells at this end of this book, the revelation of Christ, the testimony of Jesus, is the spirit of prophecy. So you go right back to the beginning, to Abel, when Jesus said, all the blood of those who've been slain from the blood of Abel, the prophet Abel, to the blood of Zechariah. So you've got Abel, who never said a word, Read your Bible. Abel never said a word. But when you're reading the book of Hebrews, it tells you, by faith Abel offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain did. He obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. But there's not a word said by God. Is there? You read your Bible, Genesis 4. There's not a word said by God. But God testified of his gifts. What he mean? at the entrance to the Garden of Eden was a flaming sword and cherubim of glory so no one can go in Abel made his offering he used the knife and God sent the fire accepted Cain's nothing happened and Cain knew he was rejected there was not a word spoken what your Bible says in Hebrews 11 He, Abel, being dead, still speaks. Has he spoken to you? You better go and look at the better sacrifice he made. Because there are four qualities about that sacrifice that tell you about Christ. He understood more than we do so often about the Saviour who would save him. And he trusted him. Your Bible is a rich book beyond the grasp of the natural. Revelation comes to you from sitting at God's word, seeking God's face, till he shines truth into your heart. Seek the Lord with all your heart and you will find him. Not half-hearted, you seek him with all your heart. And if your motives are right, he will answer. It may take a while, but he will answer. He may test you out, you've got to be patient, but he'll answer. You seek him with all your heart. So when we come to this area here, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's breathed through the whole of prophecy. The message is Jesus. So if we come to the scriptures, and we come to it in the Daniel and Revelation, if we fail to see Jesus, I have done wrong, and you have missed the message. True? So I trust by the time we end this camp, <laughs> I will not have failed to communicate the truth that should have, been crea- uh, should have been communicated. All right, the next one down is His first coming. Take your Bible, turn to Luke 4. We're down in Luke 4, and we're reading an account where we read from verse 16. Luke 4, verse 16. Let me give you a bit of background. Jesus has been baptised by John the Baptist in the Jordan. Heavens were open as he come up out of the water. The Spirit of God descended like a dove on him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted and he returned full of the power of the Holy Spirit, we are told. He finally went to the town where he was brought up, to Nazareth. Verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Because he's a Jew and he worships in the synagogue. And he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet isaiah was handed to him please note a scroll was handed to him that scroll had a name the scroll of isaiah meaning your book of 66 chapters isaiah that whole scroll was handed to him it's not sealed it's there he opens the scroll and in hebrew it's right right to left left to right right to left <laughs> Yeah, and he there's no chapters, no verses. He looking for words. He finds the place where it is written and he reads. And, and we read what he said. He found the place where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He read that section. It says he rolled it up. He gave it back. He sat down and he said, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. When you go back to the quote from Isaiah 61, he stopped in the middle of a sentence. There is no comma. There is no semicolon. There is no full stop. He stopped in the middle of a sentence. Because he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. His whole ministry lay before him. His whole ministry is accurately described. He is about to commence that ministry. The scroll of Isaiah gives validity to why he's here. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And I marveled at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. He never went on. Because if he had of, he would have said, and the day of vengeance of our God. That is his second coming. Is that clear? Has nothing to do with his first coming. It has to do with his second coming. So at his first coming, we see this. What about his second coming to the earth? Now I see in scripture parallels. That's how I see things sometimes, all right? Now take your Bible. I think I put it there. Yeah. Take your Bible first to Revelation 5. Revelation 5. Verse 1. Because Revelation 4 deals with the throne of God and everything that surrounds that throne and what happens at that throne. Revelation 5 verse 1 links. Chapter 5 back to chapter 4. Please note the wording in your verse. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Notice. Notice. The throne. That's the whole of chapter 4 because God is in sovereign control of what is going to take place on the earth. So the word throne is repeated through chapter 4. You come to chapter 4 and 5 and John says, I saw in the right hand, meaning absolute power lies in the right hand of God. He brought Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand and a stretched out arm. His right hand, he brought them out. The hand of power. Now he sees in the right hand of him that sits on the throne, there is a scroll. Now it's not handed to him. On earth, they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. Do you think they knew what they were doing? They handed him the scroll of Isaiah. He opened it to find just two verses. And in the middle of the second verse, he stopped. He just went out of the whole of Isaiah, 66 chapters and all the verses. He just unrolled it. He was only looking for that specific section. And he just said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And then gave his ministry that would take up the rest of his time on earth and lead him to Calvary. Now he's in heaven. And this is the first glimpse we see of him. In the right hand of him that sits on the throne, there is another scroll. But this scroll has problems. This scroll is sealed. It can't be opened. So in the right hand of them, there's a cry goes out, a loud cry which goes through heaven, goes on earth and goes under the earth. There is no one who doesn't hear this cry. And the cry is a question. Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? And there is no one. And John in the NIV, he weeps and he weeps because John is a Jew. Do you understand? In Revelation 4, you have the throne of God. And God's, God's throne is encircled by a rainbow. Now, it's, it's specifically called a rainbow because it's green. But it's called a rainbow. It's emerald, all right? It's what it's called in, in Revelation 4. It's an emerald. But the, it, it's called a rainbow. No rainbow I've seen Is green, but it's emerald. Why? Because there are messages from the throne. Because he said, I saw him. He was likened unto Sardius and a Jasper. This is the King James because it's consistent. A Sardius and a Jasper stone. What do you do when you come to things like this? How do you interpret? Because they are precious stones. And they do have specific colors. They're beautiful. But they're named. All you do is go elsewhere and say, well, where are these stones mentioned? And you will go first to the breastplate of judgment that rests on the high priest Aaron. The first stone, sardius; The last stone, Jasper. And we are told those stones represent the 12 tribes of Israel according to their birth. So if you have Darius and Jasper. One's the first stone. One's the last stone. Who's the firstborn of Israel or Jacob? Who's the firstborn son? Reuben. Reuben means son of. Ru Behold a son, Reuben. Behold a son. That's the message of the first stone. Behold a son but around the stone is another stone, the last one, Jasper. Who's the last born? Benjamin. The son of my right hand. Now you're looking at the throne. You're getting a message. You say, you've imprinted that in. No, it's there. That's why it's mentioned like this. The message from the throne is, the one on the throne, behold my son, the son of my right hand. Then you have an emerald. the fourth one down. Can any of you remember what's the fourth born son of Judah? And what does Judah mean? Praise. So what's the message? Behold my son, the son of my right hand. Praise. That's heaven. This is God's answer, isn't it? But your Bible tells you that that is a rainbow, circled throne, which means this, God makes covenants and God keeps covenants. Because you go back to Noah and you have the rainbow and God says, I, when I bring a cloud across the earth, I will set my bow in the clouds, I will look, I will remember and I will never destroy the earth as I have done. So there's no flood on the earth has any equivalent to Noah's flood. Never do it again. The rainbow is God's message that he is a covenant making God and he's a covenant keeping God. Tell me which nation on earth depends on this? The nation of Israel because God has covenanted with that nation to give them the land. Take your Bible, turn to... Psalm 105. As I said, I cannot keep to PowerPoint. I've got to. (laughs) As things come to my mind, and they're probably covered later, but nevertheless. (coughs) Psalm 105, verse 8, we're going to read down to verse 11. Psalm 105, verse 8 to verse 11. Speaking of God, he remembers his covenant forever. What a water message. It means God will never forget it. He remembers his covenant forever. The word he commanded for a thousand generations. That's a long time. It's not going to change. He commanded it. The covenant he made with Abraham, the oath He swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree to Israel as an everlasting covenant. What is it? Verse 11. To you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. Now, Satan hates the Jewish nation. Satan would love to get God to break his covenant. He'd love to have the power to make God untrustworthy. Can you believe God? It is interesting whenever you come to the impossible things to take place and one of them is in Zechariah 12. He precedes his statement, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone to all nations. He precedes it. I am the Lord who made heaven and earth creator, all-powerful, and this is what I state. I'm going to make Jerusalem a burdensome stone. And from that point in Zechariah to the end of chapter 14, you have the events that will take place in the seven years with the nation of Israel. So you step into an amazing scene here where you realize God is going to deal with Israel nationally. He gave them the land for the nation. The rest of the world was divided up according to the number of the children of Israel that went down into the land of Egypt. This is the Tower of Babel. But Israel is God's portion out of the nations. That's how he expresses it. So you come to this amazing thing here that this scroll comes from a throne on which is a covenant keeping God and that God has made a covenant and that covenant is I will give you the land of Canaan for your portion. And it's an eternal covenant. It's an unchangeable covenant. A thousand generations. He won't change it. It's unbreakable. It's a covenant he's made. So, chapter four of Revelation takes us to a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. What does it all rest on? I'll tell you what it rests on: Behold, a Son, the Son of My Right Hand. Praise! It rests on Him. And in this one, in in um, in uh, Revelation five, we ask a question. And I might as well deal with. It. I'll deal with it in more detail when we come later. There is a big question. Think this through. If Jesus came the first time, and he did, and when he came to begin his ministry, they handed him unsealed the scroll of Isaiah, he opened it just to find a small section, and he read those words, and he said to the whole lot, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And from that point on, his whole ministry was outlined. And we live in a day of God's grace. That's where we are. We're not under the day of his wrath. We are under the day of God's grace. But you come to heaven here. You will come to see the Lord Jesus because he's in heaven here. And when the cry goes out, who's worthy to break the seals and open this scroll? No one. And one of the elders goes to John and says, Weep not. John. The lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a Jew. And he belongs to the lion of David. So you've got Old Testament prophecies now being imposed onto your New Testament identifying someone. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. To open the book, break the seal in this chapter of Revelation 5 is the greatest outburst of acclamation of worship you will get anywhere in your Bible. This whole chapter 5, when he takes the scroll, in my NIV, it says, they sang, they sang, they sang, three different songs burst out in heaven. Because of one action, he took the scroll. Notice, he was handed the scroll on earth by man. He takes the scroll from his father and there is an acclamation of worship because what is in that scroll is now going to be implemented by him. Now, there's a big question and you must have it. If they handed him the scroll of Isaiah, and it's not sealed. This scroll, it's another scroll, is sealed. You must ask your question. Remain biblical. Don't step out of your Bible. What is the scroll? You must ask that question. Because scroll in your Bible here is referring to one of the books of the Bible. The scroll of Isaiah is a book of Isaiah in your Bible. True? True. The book of Daniel is the only book in your Bible that is sealed. Take your Bible, turn to Daniel 8. Daniel 8 and verse 26. 8 and verse 26. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been given to you is true, but seal up the vision. Please notice your wording. Seal up the vision. Why? For it concerns the distant future. Now go back in your text to verse 19. Daniel 8 verse 19. He said I am going to tell you what will happen. Notice not not what might happen, not what could happen, what will happen. Later in the time of wrath because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. And your Bible says, seal it up. Because it concerns the distant future. It's not now. It's given to Daniel. It's not now. It concerns the distant future. That's the vision. Take your Bible, turn to Daniel 12, verse 4. Daniel 12 and verse 4. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll. Is it a sealed scroll? When till? What's your text tell you? Until the time of the end. You know what that means? It's going to be unsealed. Is that clear? It's sealed till the time of the end because that is the appointed time right ahead. It concerns the distant future. Seal it up. It's going to be unsealed. Go to verse 9. Daniel 12 verse 9. He replied, Gabriel, go your way Daniel because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. So Daniel is a sealed book. Is Revelation a sealed book? Because often when I'm teaching students in Bible college I ask them, is there any book sealed in the Bible? They say the a book of Revelation. No, no, no. The opposite is said of Revelation. Take your Bible, turn to Revelation 22. Verse 10, Revelation 22, verse 10. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Daniel is sealed because it's the distant future. It has not yet taken place but it's going to. Revelation unseals the book of Daniel and it's unsealed by the action of Christ. From this point in heaven he starts, you'll find he'll start to break the seals of this book so it can be opened and what's there you and I can understand. And you put the book of Revelation with the book of Daniel and you're going to find Daniel, Revelation unseals, opens out Daniel in a way we just hard to grasp. We just go reading through and we don't grasp. This is opening it out. I see what it is saying. All right. I hope I've given you enough food to think about. You better tell me what time it is because I have no idea of time. (laughs) Hey? A quarter? Fifteen minutes? Alright. I've still got fifteen? Good. So we've got his second coming. So when you come, you might as well take it. Revelation 1 verse 7, there's an amazing song. When it came out I thought, wow, this has got rich truths in it. Behold he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, wow. at the trumpet call. It's the year of Jubilee. Amazing truths in that, that song. Biblical truths. Take your Bible, Revelation 1 and verse 7. Because God has a habit of putting down, in a brief statement, the finality of everything. <laughs> and this is it. Revelation 1 and verse 7. Look. Or you may have, Behold, He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see Him. say, impossible. No, no. The world's been plunged into darkness and in His glory He's going to lighten the whole world. He's coming back in glory, not as a baby in a manger. He's coming back in the full expression of the glory of God and He will lighten the whole earth by His presence. He comes with clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. That means truly, verily. That's what's coming. So this one verse, one statement opens out for us a passageway that is going to take us to this point where he will come from heaven to earth, which is Revelation 19, the last part of the book, chapter. But you will pass through a whole section that deals with events that will lead to this immense called the great and notable day of the Lord comes. So we come to this amazing scene that's before us. All right, I think that's covered that. Can we go on from there? Next one. Oh, yeah, I put it there. Things to come. So we may realize Daniel deals with things to come. Take your Bible. This is Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel 2. Now remember, Nebuchadnezzar was not a believer. Nebuchadnezzar was an idol worshiper but God worked in this man remarkably as no other leader in the world has ever been worked on You stand amazed at God's dealings Daniel 2 and we're down in verse 29, Daniel 2, verse 29. As you were lying there, O king, your mind, turned, notice, to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. So we have an amazing vision given to a Gentile ruler There is no suffering of Jewish people seen in the vision. This is totally Gentile. That is the other nations of the world. So we have here a man who has the greatest authority and power any man on earth has ever had. Even the wild animals were subject to him. Even the birds of the air, the creatures of flight, were subject to him. No other person in the world has ever had that power. And that's stated twice in Jeremiah and in the interpretation Daniel gives here. Immense authority was given to this man. But he's a Gentile. So there's no Jewish suffering seen. The difference lies here. You pass to Daniel's vision, four of them, in every one of them there is Jewish suffering because Daniel is a Jew. It's his people. And the first two visions, he's sick He goes white. He cannot work. Because it seems as though the suffering is so great. Why should it happen like this? How can God allow this evil to so dominate that the saints have no power to resist? And they're just crushed and killed. Two witnesses are wiped out. 144,000 are wiped out anyone who worships any other object than this man finally is dealt with. So we have coming onto the earth a mystery of iniquity. He said it already works, but he who hinders it now hinders it till he's taken out of the way, not taken away, taken out of the way, then that wicked one will be revealed. So there is an appointed time, and that's how the NIV has it, there is a time when this personage will have his, his way in the world in which we are. And God has not left the world in darkness. He's given it to the world in your Bible. And we have the Bible. And we know what's happening. We know what lies ahead. So the world you are living in, somewhere ahead, and probably not very far ahead, is seven years described for you in your Bible prophetically, but will one day become history in the world you're living in. When Daniel was given, or Nebuchadnezzar was given these, this vision he had, the Medo Persian Empire did not exist, the Grecian Empire was never even thought of, the Roman Empire had no place. And God gave to this Gentile king an understanding of the controlling powers of his own land Israel, his own city Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. These are four kingdoms. Wherever you go across the world in ancient history they teach it not from the book of Daniel, they teach it as history. But we have it in the book of Daniel and Daniel is in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. He was taken. This vision is given to to Nebuchadnezzar when Daniel has just been brought in as a captive, a young captive, into the place of Babylon, given a Babylonian god's name, Belteshazzar, taught all about the culture and everything that went with Babylon and his three friends. They're given names, that belong to their gods. So you have a Jewish young fellow, four of them, one and three, taken out of Israel, plunged into a heathen, idolatrous nation, away from their own people, away from their own land, away from the temple, and they're plunged into a heathen, idolatrous nation. We used to say this, I don't know whether you've heard it, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose true, dare to make it known. And there are things you are going to face, I have faced it in the education system, I've faced it up through university, And it's true. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. And often you will be. Dare to have a purpose true. Dare to make it known. And you will suffer for it. But I'll tell you something. God will honour you. God will honour you. You can keep quiet. You cannot confront things. And you might get through. But let me say this if you stand, God will open doors for you, you thought impossible. I've seen it happen. I tell you this, in teachers' college because I already had a degree in agriculture and I was a mature person and we all were vets and engineers and all that, wanting to be teachers in high school. (coughs) Alright? The first six months in that college, I felt like giving up. I I, uh, Was doing biology and the fellow in charge first week he said give you a uh, an assignment on photosynthesis i said all right at the end of it i went up to him and i said can i answer from a creation viewpoint he said how did you get in here (laughs) you're not going to pass so immediately i realized this was going to be a battleground then i got into um, sociology and the lady was what we call red-black. She was a communist and she was a black agitator. And I had to do an assignment <coughs> and I wrote, and I used Bloom. Bloom was an educated Jew, but he's not a Christian, but he's an educator. And he, he, he taught about America losing its morals because they lost their values, eh? Basis. So I wrote, I quoted her. And she handed it back. She had a big red pen. Irrelevant. I hate Bloom. Go and rewrite it. So I went and rewrite it. I I didn't change much at all. I just handed it back. And she passed me. But she said, I hate your smiling face. (laughs) Now, I felt like giving up because I realized, and I sat with some kids who'd just come out of high school going into teacher training, and they're losing their faith. I sat with them. And, you know, I could show them from the scripture. There are answers from scripture for fossils and all kinds of things the last six months was totally different I had a Sikh lady a Sikh, Sikh, Sikh you know the Turban Punjabi right? she was in charge of sociology and so we were given our assignments there was one other Christian in my group and so I got with him and I said we, we, were, we took drugs so I don't know whether you've heard of Dave Wilkerson but Dave Wilkerson was involved in the drug scene in New York And the government had investigated it all and written a book called The Jesus Factor. They had investigated and methadone was used for use by the government and The Jesus Factor was what Dave Wilson used, preach the gospel on the streets and and they they got saved. So we used this for the whole class to, to demonstrate the power of truth. But then one group was given an assignment and it had to do, they, they made a role play and they said, this girl was sent home with a letter to her mother and said, we're going to teach evolution tomorrow. And the mother writes back and says, well, I don't want my glass, my girl in the class. And they pointed to me and they said, what will you do? And I said, I would teach creation. And they exploded. You can't do that. There is no evidence. And all. for th- For a long time, I think it was nearly three quarters of an hour, we went way over time. There was dead silence. I never used the Bible. I just spoke from science. And one fellow looked like I had hit him with a hammer. He said, I have never, ever heard that evidence. And she said, I don't see why this can't be taught in the school." And then she gave me a phone number and she said, this boy is doing an assignment on creation and evolution. Would you ring him and talk with him? I had support. I realized God can change the whole situation if we're willing to stand when the going is tough. God can do it. So I commend you, particularly you young people who are going to go through teaching, that will gradually eat away the values in your life, that you learn to depend totally on God and his word for understanding. Daniel said, I will not defile myself with the king's meat. It has been offered to idols. I will not partake of it. And God honoured it. And that Daniel is the one God used to write the book of Daniel. So we have finished there. We haven't got far. But I think you will realize Daniel and Revelation are going to interlock like I don't think you will have ever realized they do. And Revelation unseals the book of Daniel.